For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. And just like that, it was over for the Tennessee Titans Saturday night in Jacksonville. A scoop and score by the Jaguars late in the fourth quarter was the difference in a 2016 defeat that uh, knocked the Titans out of the playoffs and into the offseason where things uh, got rolling quickly, shall we say. Mike Vrabel making some changes to the coaching staff, or at least some subtractions at the moment from the coaching staff, most notably offensive coordinator Todd Downing. Um, it, it's uh, The roster, of course, will be turned over. The draft is coming. There's all sorts of things for Titans fans to look forward to now, but uh, but no playoff games for the first time in four years so here we are welcome to the off season gentlemen i am david beauclair of all titans at si.com joined as always by john glennon of all titans at si.com john how are you i'm well how are you guys and former titans corner cornerback denard walker denard good evening i'm doing good how you doing good evening to you david doing good thank you it's good. uh it's now the off season and uh and yet here at Believe in Titans, we soldier on. And I must remind you before we get started that the Believe in Titans podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs and, and the just completed bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Let's start with the 
with where the Titans season ended in Jacksonville, a very competitive, hard fought, I, I would say well-played game throughout for the most part. And one big play won it for the Jaguars. Uh, Denard is a, as a, as a purveyor of defense in your day, I, I'm sure you have a certain appreciation for what the Jaguars accomplished in that moment. Uh, tell us, tell us what you saw, what, what happened, what went wrong for the Titans there? Nothing went wrong. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jacksonville just made one more play than the Titans did in this ball game. The Titans were winning until about two minutes and 51 seconds left in the game. They had to leave from the first all the way to the fourth quarter with two, what less two minutes and 51 seconds left. I thought offensively, they played well. They played good enough to win. They should have won that game. They had plenty of opportunities. Uh, again, it was two teams going in polar, polar, different directions. If you look at Tennessee, they was trying to erase a six-game losing streak. And you're talking about Jacksonville, probably the hottest team in football, winners of uh, four of their last five games. And I love the way they played. Titans, you said it, David. You alluded to it last podcast. If they was to go, you wouldn't be surprised if they went in that went into Jacksonville and won. And that's exactly the way that they played. They had a chance to win. And you're talking about the play at the end where it's questionable. I'm pretty sure if it was in Nashville, then again, it'd probably be what? They'd probably be a, an incomplete pass. An incomplete the pass. Of punting a, there. Yeah. There you go. But they yeah. played in Jacksonville and Jacksonville got the call. And that was the difference in the game. And you wonder if Ryan Tannehill maybe gets that call over Josh Dobbs too. I mean, I, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, I, I mean, Josh Dobbs, John Glennon, you wrote about this. Uh, Josh Dobbs certainly thinks it was a forward pass, right? Guy's a rocket scientist for goodness sakes. We got to listen to Josh Dobbs, right? But, but yeah, he said, he felt, you know, that, that his arm was, uh, was moving forward, uh, you know, and, and, uh, Obviously, a very intelligent guy. You know, made made the argument that that clearly, you know, when when the ball ends up where it is, you know, it's a pretty good indication that the ball is moving forward. Uh, to me, it was it was right on the line. Really, really difficult call to make. I thought, and, and I thought, you know, either way it went, I, I don't think it was going to be overruled. You know, I think I think if they made that initial call and said it was an incomplete pass, I think that would have stuck as well. I don't think either. You know, there there was significant enough evidence that either way would have been overturned. I, I was a little surprised that it it moved along pretty quickly that that played it. In other words, you know, yeah, the review was very quick. In fact, I think right. they confirmed it. I don't think mm-hmm. they said the play stands, did they? No, they didn't. Okay. Yeah, you may be I right. They yeah, said they confirmed um, it. Yeah. Okay, but but uh, either way on that, yeah, I I still say it. it you know, you, you see all kinds of plays in the NFL that you know you, that that seem like fairly routine calls and they take forever uh, to, to look at them and you're wondering what they're looking at. This one to me was right on the line. I thought borderline and, and it was a pretty quick review. Um, so that was, uh, that was surprising. It, it was sort of a, it was sort of a moment though, that for all the Titans accomplished last year and parts of this year and, and in this game with, with backup players and whatnot, this was, this was sort of the moment that, that you know you sort of had to pay for the situation you were in and and Tim Hasselbeck did a, a tremendous job on Sports Center right after the game breaking down kind of what went wrong on the play and and briefly you know Jaguars had three guys lined up 
to their left of center, to the the right side of the Titans' offensive line, and and had two guys on the other side with a with a cornerback there threatening from the slot. And and Tim Hasselbeck said that if when you, when you get that look, the 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 basic rule is that from the center to the right tackle, those three handle the three on the right side, and then. The, uh, the, le- the left guard, left tackle, plus the running back, Hassan Haskins, who was in the backfield, they're responsible for whatever else happens. And you've got a, you've got an inexperienced center there in Corey Levin and, and an inexperienced quarterback in Josh Dobbs. Neither one of them made the correct protection call there. And what happened was left guard Aaron Brewer on over the four of them took on those three which left Hassan Haskins and Dennis Daly to deal with the other two guys. And what happened was uh, the blitzer came from the slot. Nobody was there to pick him up. Josh Dobbs then didn't recognize that the blitzer was coming. And the play design was actually good because on the backside of that route, Robert Woods was lined up wide left, ran and ran and in was wide open beyond the sticks. And, and if Josh Dobbs, even with the free blitzer, if he had seen him coming, he had time to set his feet, throw the ball, but he, and they would have gotten a first down there, but he was, uh, you know, he was looking to his right the whole way. And, and as we say, we, we know what happened there, but that was sort of, you know, for all that they did to put themselves in position to win that game and this season to be in the playoffs with all the injuries they had again, that was sort of the moment that it, uh, that it came home to roost for them. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. You you know what, David? Yeah. Go ahead. And you know, just to kind of piggyback on that play. And that's what happens when you have an an inexperienced quarterback right now, who's only been in Nashville for 17 days and two weeks in the system. And on that play, you have to give it up for the defensive coordinator, Mike Caldwell. Troy Aikman said it best that Jacksonville is not a blitzing team. We saw in the first series of the game, they were blitzing from the beginning. That's what you do when you have an inexperienced line where there's been no continuity. So it's hard to build chemistry. And you have a quarterback who's only making his second start in six years. What Jacksonville did, I watched that play from the beginning. That was the strong safety, Sean Jenkins, coming off the edge. What happens is that's hard when you send a strong safety. Typically, when a strong safety blitzes, he comes from the middle. And so the fact is, is that he came right off that edge. I don't blame Josh, but that's that's a situation where if you're Ryan, you probably recognize the defense, you recognize the front. So what you end up doing is either audibling and go to another play or what you do is say, hey, something is tricky if I have two men on one side. So I know there's a blitzer going to come off the edge or, you know, and that's where you'll see Ryan use that athleticism and maybe shift and run something to the right. So, Josh, I mean, got to give it up for uh Jacksonville defensive quarter, Mike Caldwell, he called the right blitz at the right time. Yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead, John. No, I, I was just going to say, I, I agree with you on, on that play. And I think ultimately it comes down to, to Josh Dobbs having to recognize that the blitz is coming from there uh, and, and, and making a play in, in that direction. But I, you know, I think in a, in a broader picture too, you know, the, the the same theme that we've seen all year from the Titans, whether it was Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis or Josh Dobbs, for that matter, they just couldn't score enough points, you know. And, and uh, you know, I think Josh Dobbs did a solid job, not only, you know, in that game, but the previous one, 
But still, the bottom line, I think he had, you know, Titans had 16 points one game, 13 points the next. And and you look at the overall picture, you know, this team, I think, finished 30th in in average points uh, again, held under 20 points, you know, six of the last seven, 12 games, uh, you know, out of 17 for the year. So in, in a lot of ways, you know, we can say what we want about that one single play. But these guys, these guys just couldn't get it done all season offensively, especially in the second half. So in that respect, you know, that, that to me sort of symbolized the entire year offensively. Yeah, and and similarly on the defensive side of the ball, defense played great that game. Jacksonville, like pretty much everybody else since the New York Giants in week one, couldn't run the ball. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, who had been lighting it up the last couple weeks, I, I thought – started to get a little little frustrated and, and looked lost at times and and you know going back to Denard's point if uh if that play is ruled an incomplete pass and the Titans punt and Ryan Stonehouse bombs one of his 65 yarders or whatever I mean who's confident at that moment that the Jaguars are going to drive down the field and and score a touchdown it uh it it, it you know you, you 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 hear it all the time from players and coaches that you know, if one or two plays go the other way, th- this game could be different. And and it's kind of that way this whole season for the Titans. If if the officials call that an incomplete pass, if Randy Bullock makes a field goal at the end of week one against Jacksonville, uh, you know, there, there's there's the margin. Mike Vrabel has said it repeatedly the last couple of weeks. The margin for error for this team was so small uh, throughout this season and and you know that was uh that was again further evidence of it but uh moving on and into the off season Mike Vrabel wasted no time Todd Downing the offensive coordinator fired Keith Carter the offensive line coach fired uh Anthony Midget the secondary coach fired and Eric Frazier the offensive skills coach uh which that was always sort of a uh sort of an odd title I thought but he worked a lot with the wide receivers he's been fired um Denard I'll ask you I I mean uh, players know that that things change from year to year in the NFL uh when you lose your position coach is that hard for guys do do they take it do they take it hard or is it is it just part of the business again well, it's part of the business, unfortunately. The NFL stands for not for long for players <laughs> and coaches. That's just the way it works. And, man, and if you look at the coaches that were fired, you're talking about Keith Carter. They struggle in the offensive line. And I, I don't – it's a lot of injuries. If you look at the secondary coach, I think Anthony Midget has done a phenomenal job since arriving in Nashville a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, look at the cornerback situation. Christian Fulton was banged up this year. Caleb Farley, unfortunately, he's just – he hasn't panned out. He hasn't been the player we thought we were getting in 2021. And so – and now when you're talking about you fired the offensive assistant, Eric Frazier, how do you fire the offensive system? What has he got to do with any of the play yeah. calling? And so it's just been one of those years. It's a disappointment. And where do you start, David? I don't know. I mean, firing coaches, and that's just the way the game is. And you got to remember that there's always a turnaround the next year. What you've seen uh, in 2019 was different than 2020. 2020 is different than 2021 and so on. That's just the way the game is. And play. we know that uh, players leave, unfortunately, and there's players that will come in and they will put on that jersey number and then you just you learn to just roll on. Yeah, you make a good point, Denard, and, and I thought about this. 
you know, John Robinson was fired because there's holes in this roster. And one of the areas where there's holes in the roster is wide receiver. Another areas where there's holes in the roster is offensive line. Mm-hmm. Another area where there's holes in the roster is defensive back, particularly cornerback. And and all of a sudden it's it 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 feels like, well, why are you holding it against these guys who didn't have full toolboxes all year and and it almost feels to me like this wasn't maybe Mike Vrabel's decision this was Amy Adams Strunk doubling down on her decision to fire John Robinson and say I you know I don't care you know that you guys didn't have enough players your units didn't play well I want these guys gone and and maybe the line was drawn with you know Rob Moore the wide receivers coach managed to uh managed to stay and and Eric Frazier, a, a young guy who came to the Titans a couple of years ago out of Montana State, you know he he had to take the he had to be the fall guy. Somebody apparently had to go, and and it was that. But but you know as as time has passed since those decisions were announced, I, I started to think about that. I thought, well, you know, like what what is Keith Carter supposed to do the last couple of games in terms of trying to protect his quarterback when he's got Corey Levin and Jordan Roos and and Dennis Daly out there? I mean, I. Uh, it 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 seems uh, it, it seems as to me as it's not just as simple as as Mike Frabel wants to wanted to make some changes, but but John, I'll ask you. You know, Todd Downing was it had sort of become the personification of this franchise's problems in the in the minds of of most people. It, it was you figure that was an easy decision, or, or do you think that that Mike Frabel, whether he was told whether it was his choice, agonized over that a little bit. Uh, I, if I had to guess, I would say it was his choice. Um, and that I don't think it was a difficult one. Again, this is all of us just speculating on our various, uh, theories, but, um, you know, Todd Downing had, had two years here, you know, he, he followed up what was a very successful, uh, offensive coordinator run, um, you know, with, with Arthur Smith, who's of course the Atlanta Falcons head coach, um, you know, and, I think it's unfair to Todd Downing what we saw from from a lot of fans this year, and which was this: every single play was, oh, you know, I could have done better than this, uh, Todd Downing. I could have done better than that. You know, he's not taking enough chances. Well, then if he takes a chance and that doesn't go well, well, what's he doing? Give the ball to Derrick Henry, uh, you know. And then if they give the ball to Derrick Henry, why are you giving the ball so often to Derrick Henry? So I, I didn't think it was particularly fair in that respect to question every single play. But to me, it's more of a of an overall picture. Um, and when you look at how far the numbers have fallen over the last two years uh, uh, in this offense under Todd Downing, I think that's a pretty significant argument that he wasn't getting the best out of this offense um, that that could be done. Um, and, and again, I I think when you also uh, ask, you know. Hey, what got better under Todd Downing's watch on this offense, or at least stayed the same than than what we saw, you know, when when Arthur Smith departed? It takes a while to to even come up with any guesses uh, on that front, honestly. So, uh, to me, I, I thought, you know, Todd Downing had a rough year last year, and, and Mike Brabel uh, was probably fair in, in saying, okay, things did not go well. We dropped a lot, but I'm going to give you another shot just because I think everybody gives should get a, a couple of years. But when things went that much worse, and, and I know there were all sorts of contributing factors. 
tons of injuries, the A.J. Brown trade. You know, the personnel was not as good as we had seen in a couple of years. All that said, I, I still think you need to do better than, than you know, where the Titans finished, which was, you know, 30 to 32nd in, in offensive yards overall, passing points. I, I think when you look at those big picture numbers, you have to say there's somebody out there who can do better than Todd Downing. And and I think that's what Mike Brable's decision came down to. Yeah, and, and I and I dare say I don't think the uh the drunk driving arrest hours after the Green Bay game helped him either. I I think uh if there was some discussion, and to be fair, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, the, Todd Downing did keep the offense moving last year when Derrick Henry got hurt, which uh which most people thought would be impossible at that moment. Um you know, he 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 got he got Good production out of A.J. Brown. Passing game looked good when you had A.J. Brown as a wide receiver. But, uh, you know, when Mike Vrabel was asked on Monday about uh, uh, about that that arrest, he, you know, he he it was one of the it, it was one of the clearer answers Mike Vrabel gave at that press conference in terms of, you know, we're we're all responsible for you know, our, our actions off the field, on the field, whatever. I, I, it, it seemed to me that it was, it was very much a, uh, it was very much a factor in that regard. Should we take, should we take the, uh, you know, you talk about the fact that, I mean, it, his biggest problem, I guess, was that he wasn't Arthur Smith, right? And Arthur Smith was so good. You never want to follow somebody who's great. The fact that Tim Kelly was brought in this off season as, uh, as what is it? The passing game coordinator, was that a was that a sign that the axe was was hanging over Todd Downing's head right from the start of this season? You think, John? Uh, in some respects, I I kind of do. You know, I, I, again, I think that the Todd Downing, the offense, it, it, you know, it didn't look like a good match uh, last year, and and to me, that was almost a way of for for Mike Brable to a sort of supplement, hopefully, the offense with Tim Kelly, but b also have that card in the, in the, in the back pocket saying things don't go well again. I'm going to have Tim Kelly right here on staff. I know this guy. Well, I know what he did with the Houston Texans, um, you know, and, and it's certainly a possibility that I can turn to uh, Tim Kelly if things don't go well with Todd Downey. And I still, you know, and, and uh, we'll, I imagine we'll take a look at this here. That still to me looks like the most logical choice, but we'll, uh, we'll see what happens here. I was going to say, Denard, from from where you sit, do you you think that's an an easy choice? You know, I, I've thrown some names out there this week. Of course, Mike Vrabel has a connection with Bill O'Brien, who's currently the offensive coordinator at Alabama. There's, uh, uh, you know, Tony Dews is a, a minority staff member who's who's made it clear that he would like bigger opportunities in his career and would like to be a head coach someday. Was involved in in the accelerator. Um, there, there are uh, there are other guys around the league. It, it, it certainly seems like Mike Vrabel's hiring history is he he wants to work with people that he already has some sort of built in relationship with. Uh, so, do, so does Tim Kelly make sense to you, or or would the Titans be better served going outside the organization right now? Uh, it depends on what they're looking for, because either way, if he they, let's say they go out there and, and go for Bill O'Brien, who's probably one of the hottest offensive coordinators uh, out there. I know he's at Alabama right now, but if you look at the history between Mike Vrabel 
and Bill O'Brien, they go back to their days at Houston. Remember, Mike Vrabel was the linebacker coach, and then the off defensive coordinator for Houston was in 2017, as I got to Tennessee in 2018. Who was the head coach then? Bill O'Brien, as well yeah. as the offense. And you know Bill O'Brien is calling the plays, uh, especially when he was in Houston for, I call it, six and a half season because he got the ax after the first four games, but these two have a relationship and they go back to the days of new England. And we know about bill O'Brien's, his play calling skills. You go back to 2011. He was the offensive coordinator for who bill Belichick and the new England Patriots that went on to go. They went to the super bowl that year. So, you know, he has that familiarity and you know that he can groom quarterbacks. He worked with the goat, Tom Brady, we know what that offensive, they offense, you know, what the numbers that they put up that year. And so, yeah, I think it makes sense if you're going to go out of the organization, go with someone that you know. You know that he's a proven winner. You look at his offenses. Look at what happened when he was in Houston. I mean, he took over a team, what was that, in 2014, a uh, year prior to that. They went, what? I'm sorry, they went two and 14. And then he takes over uh, the following year, and that offense was led by Arian Foster. Um, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself a little <laughs> bit. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Bill O'Brien got to Houston in 2014 to 2020. And when he got the prior to that, Houston was 2-14. and 14. Look at his offensive there. They were statistically one of the top offenses in the league. So you know he's capable of not only calling plays, but he's also capable of grooming uh, quarterbacks because who was his quarterback in Houston? A young player out of Clemson by the name of Deshaun Watson. Who do you have in Nashville? Malik Willis. A lot of similarities between those two. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a great point. And, and, you know, that's sort of the unknown, I think, in this equation is how much – does Malik Willis factor into this decision and and uh and are you going to uh you know are you going to get somebody who can turn Malik Willis into a NFL quarterback are you going to get somebody who runs an offense that sort of already plays to Malik Willis's strengths for example Cliff Kingsbury who was a, a teammate of Mike Rabel's in in New England for a little bit you, you know what we we saw what he did with Kyler Murray up until that thing blew up this year but uh I, I think there you know you can draw some some conclusions some lines there and say well that might be a uh that might be a good marriage too well it's uh or is or is Malik Willis not a factor in this it, it, after what we saw in the decision to go with Josh Dobbs late is it well Malik Willis isn't part of our plans immediately we just got to get somebody in here to call plays that uh you know Mike Rabel was uh I guess give him credit if you will for being crafty enough to have his press conference hours before these decisions were made so he he hasn't been asked any of these questions he hasn't offered any uh any insight into into what his thinking will be and uh, uh i i don't suspect we will we will see him in front of any microphones or or cameras anytime soon so we will all uh we will all just wait wait about this but uh you know going back to going back to how some of these these coaches were handcuffed and their injury issues uh one thing mike Vrabel did say on Monday that was that was among the more interesting things I think he's ever said in a press conference was he he singled out 
Christian Fulton and David Long, for example, is as two guys that he called repeat offenders for the soft tissue injuries, the the groin and and the hamstring injuries. And uh, um, you know, John, I'll start with you. You know, how surprising was that to you? How how strong a message do you think he was trying to send in that moment? Yeah, one one thing that strikes me the, the, this year, we've talked about this a little bit about Mike Vrabel is, you know. He doesn't often call guys out uh, specifically by name, but but the ones he does are a little you're, you're kind of scratching your head, going, "Wait a minute now," because you know you, you look at his his offensive line, for instance, and you know we all know how difficult a season it was for like Dennis Daly. You couldn't get Mike Vrabel to say a, a, a bad word about Dennis Daly hardly, and the guy you know had, gave up more sacks than anyone in the NFL. You know, and there are certain other guys that that certainly struggled as well. But so, you know, and then on, on his last uh, uh, press conference before the season ended, who does he call out? Uh, Ryan Stonehouse, you know, for not the first time, uh, you know, for having issues with a hang time and directional punting. Ryan Stonehouse just had a, you know, a, a, a tremendous season, uh, you know, one that one that's going to uh, one that set a new NFL record. So anyway, all that to say, here he is when it when it comes to injuries. Uh, and the guys he's pointing the finger at are, are David Long, who really, I mean, is a, is a heart and soul kind of player for the for the Titans. You know, granted, when he when he's in there, and there have been two significant injuries uh, the past two years, soft tissue, uh, and Christian Fulton, a starting cornerback, probably. You know, I don't think there's much debate when he's healthy, he's the top cornerback on the team. But bothered last year, you know, I think uh, missed missed seven last year with a hamstring. This year, uh, you know, missed, uh, what, 10, I think. Uh, no, 10 over the last two years. So, uh, you know, another bunch this year. But he, it makes sense. So I'm, I'm surprised that he called those guys out, you know, be, because they are who they are. But it did make sense in the fact that he wants an end to the soft tissue injuries. It's, it's not, you know, there's not much that can be done about torn ACLs necessarily or or torn ligaments and ankles when they get rolled up on. But what he wants to try and control is those soft tissue injuries. And what he is saying is, look, guys in the offseason have to be training just as hard as they are uh, during the regular season. And, you know, when, when he pointed to an example of that kind of person, he said, Kevin Byard, you know, hasn't torn a hamstring in seven years here, hasn't missed a game. So certainly there are some guys that are more durable than others. So from that aspect, uh, I understand it. Yeah, he 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 came right out and said that uh you know durability is a is a real thing in this league and that uh that, that guy he basically said guys need to need to reevaluate their off-season training methods and 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 come to camp conditioned in a way that that these things aren't going to happen and and Denard I'll ask you if uh if if you're Christian Fulton or David Long did he did did he get those guys' attention with those comments? Well, yeah, that's the head <laughs> coach calling you out, and especially in front of the press. And you want to eliminate? I can tell you how you eliminate that. It's easy. You say, "What is the difference between Kevin Byard, Christian Fulton, and David Long Jr.? Is Kevin Byard is he in the offseason? Is he at the offseason program? If you have, let's say, forty workouts, is, is he at all forty workouts? And do you see Christian Fulton around Nashville in the offseason or David Long Jr.? What you do is do what Mike Shannon had done when I got to Denver. They had a mandatory offseason. So the way that you don't have 
where this where this is not an issue is you go to the mandatory training camp. It was in your contract. So you would have 99% of the guys, you might have one guy that would be exempt, and that was Bill Romanowski because nobody wanted him around in the offseason. <laughs> well, one thing we do know at this point regarding this team is that they will be picking 11th, or at least they're scheduled to pick 11th in the draft. And as we uh, – as we move to the ends of things here, the last time the Titans picked 11th, they did pretty well. Got a guy named Taylor Lewan, who's made three Pro Bowls, been their left tackle for a long time. Um, John Glennon, you have any early early targets for the Titans at number twenty eleven at, at number eleven overall? Uh, yeah, I would certainly in, in terms of position, I don't think you can go wrong, uh, you know, in hitting that offensive line, hitting that left tackle again, uh, someone pointed out on the internet that, uh, around to replace Taylor Lewan, the last one they, they picked at number 11. So I, I think that's a, that's a wise call uh, given how poorly this offensive line played, how, uh, how often, uh, the quarterback was sacked. Um, you know, there's a few guys out there right now. Northwestern's uh, Peter Skaronsky, uh a tackle is, you know, really outstanding. There's some debate whether he's a tackle or go. That, that's where I think the, you know, the Titans top priority is, you know, uh, unless they really get crazy and, and, and move up and, and grab a quarterback. You know, I think other positions of need, certainly wide receiver, you need somebody else. You know, Traylon Burks is number one. And then who is, who's number two next year, especially if Robert Woods doesn't come back. And I think even tight end, you know, there's there's a couple, you know, really good uh, potential first round tight ends, especially Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, that that are of interest. But to me, right now at this point, if I go uh, with anybody at number eleven, it, it's a tackle. I like uh, I, I like wide receiver, and particularly if he would be there, Quentin Johnston of TCU. If this isn't a Titans wide receiver, I don't know what is. Six four, two hundred fifteen pounds, broke forty one tackles on ninety seven career receptions. So uh, you know, pair him with Traylon Burks and go. Denard, you would you would draft Nick? You got you got your eye on anybody already? I like Quinn Johnson. He's a stud. Unfortunately, they came up. Uh, I wouldn't say short against Georgia. <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> a, just a yeah, little bit. Just short, a little yeah. bit. About sixty some points. We, who's, I stopped counting. But I like him. I think you need uh, someone uh, next year to come in and to be ready right away at the receiving core. There, this receiving core if you look at three players look at look at all the receivers combined i say Traylon burks robert wood nick, nick westbrook i can't racy mcmath they combine for 1454 yards aj brown this year has 88 receptions for over nearly 1500 yards and 11 touchdowns that need to address uh the perimeter game yes they do but the draft talk is uh is for another day we will uh, we will keep a watch on things as the uh, as the off season progresses. But that is uh, that is it for this episode. As always, we thank you for listening. And uh, John Glennon, thank you. Thank you, Denard Walker. Thank you, sir. Thank you, David. And we will talk to you folks next week. This is the Believe in Titans podcast, brought to you by Bet Online. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.